0: Yo, Chuck,
1: run a power move on him. Yeah. yeah! 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 Step back, you the way, give the brothers a room, you got the whole journey.
0: May I say something to you to give you a true knowledge of yourself and life so that the same glory and success attained by other men who understand themselves may be yours? man in the full knowledge of himself is a superb and supreme creature of creation when man becomes possessor of the knowledge of himself he becomes master of his environment the captain of his own ship the director of his own destiny the accomplisher of his own ends
2: today in the brooklyn combine um we have some special guests We have actually four special guests um that we're honored to have um in a in a, a a very very important film um important for the time that we're living in now, but also just history of America. But um, a, again, uh, a very important film, which I believe is coming out August 12th on HBO, that was um, uh, produced and, and directed by this group of, of very talented, intelligent men. We have, first we have Charles Darby, who's very important, who was the,
3: uh, well, let me, let me start over. Who's here from the combine today? Peace, everybody. You got brother Molly X. Barnabas. And Phil. Peace, everyone. Um,
2: yeah, the, the film is Storm Over Brooklyn. Um, for those of you who lived in New York or grew up in New York, um, the film is about uh, the tragic death of Yusef Hawkins, 16-year-old young man who I vividly remember this because I believe I was only a year older than him at the time. Um, it was 1989, I think August 23rd, 1989. I remember it clearly, um, like clearly. Uh, it, it, it brought back, I'll be honest For me, when I watched the film, I think I was the first to see it amongst us. It made me very angry, um, to be honest with you. Um, and it made me kind of sad uh, watching it because you, you really felt how unnecessarily this, this beautiful young man's life was taken. Um, so that, that was what I took away from it. But we have Charles Darby who grew up with, uh, Youssef, um, who, um, was very instrumental in getting this, this film made. I'll let him tell you guys, or you guys tell how that happened. Uh, you have Victoria Dick Costa, who's a producer and director, um, directed Weldon Irvine. You got Mr. Javon Franks, who we just was talking and, um, I had to get him to admit he probably was going to be a lawyer. Um, but for him understanding certain things about the criminal justice system, former journalist, went to school for journalism, right? Um, yes, at, at John Jay and, uh, is, a, is a producer, um, uh, and, and I believe a photographer as well, right? I am, yes I am. Um, and then we have Mr. Mutali Muhammad, who is the director, as well as producer, but also an actor. Um, who produced the great film Life Essentials of Ruby D and, and was the director of this incredibly important film. Thank you, gentlemen, for even meeting with us today.
4: Thanks for having me.
3: Um,
2: no, most
4: definitely. Really quickly, though,
3: I, I definitely want to make two big pickups. Big the, the, the Weldon Irving piece, I would love to see. My father is like a huge Marcus Miller fan, and anybody up in here who's a fan, of Nina Simone or any of those giants, Knows the, the importance of this individual, so I'd love to get my eyes on that piece, man. Well, Mally, sure. if you,
2: if, Mally, if you, if you pay me a couple of bucks, I'll let you see it because I actually have a copy of it. We'll talk about that <laughs> when it's sold, All right. For sure. Um, but first, I want to start. Um, first of all, I, I looked at what you guys' careers are really done, uh, have have done in your careers, and when your careers are going. Um. You guys have a a, a connecting force, um, and it seems like it's social and it's activism at the same time. Um, was that by design um, when it came to this film? Uh, like, how did how did this film even uh, get
5: started?
4: Charles, I think you should take that one. You want to take that one, Charles?
5: Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Well, well, how the film, uh, well, how this film came together was a uh, uh, I had a rough day one day and, um, you know, I got home from work, uh, and I like sat on my couch and I had some thoughts on my mind and I kind of drifted off into like a little power nap. So, um, for, for some strange reason, I started smelling crunch and munch. It might sound crazy, but I started smelling crunch and munch and it, you know, um, and I woke up and I'm looking around and I look towards the, uh the, um, corridor in my hallway and I seen Yusuf standing by the door and he said, Hey man, never forget me. So I like snapped up, you know, I jumped up and I'm like Yusuf and I'm looking around and I'm just walking through the house, you know, sat back down. I didn't think much about it. As my wife got home, I told her about it, you know, so next day, following day, my aunt happens to call me. And she's like, hey, um Somebody stopped by the house yesterday and I said who? She said Diane and um she wanted to talk to you. So uh that's um Miss Hawkins, I'm sorry. So what happens from there is um I give her a call, me and her talking and she's like, Hey, by the way, uh Amir is down in uh Georgia and I said, Oh, he's down in Georgia. She gave me his number and um me and Amir started talking. Started talking about it and everything, you know, talking about Yusuf. So then one night I'm on Instagram and and a mutual friend of me and um, Victorious is uh, talking back and forth and he brings up Yusuf. And he's like, man, you need to do a film about this. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. He said, man, I'm gonna connect you with somebody. And he connected me with Victorious. And then me and Victorious was talking back and forth for a couple of days. And then finally he was coming at me hard like, hey man, (laughs) we gotta do this, we gotta do this. Um and and then from there uh he uh he brought in Mutali and then um NJ came in as well so um i just think it was a point in time where all these things were just lining up and i mean going through the whole process um you know the uh, background uh tracking down people it was hard it was long but we got it done let me
2: let me ask you charles because um uh you know i, I trauma you know is generational um trauma also um it kind of contributes to your memory and 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 your life's journey in a lot of ways I, i i i was dying all day just wondering what i would ask you but one of the things i wanted to ask you is what do you remember about that day august 23rd
5: 1989 i just remember the day as just it was just unreal um it just felt like a dream it felt like it wasn't real mm-hmm. and I mean to just have somebody taken like that Yusuf was one of the most gentlest souls on this earth that anybody would want to know there was mm-hmm. no bad thing about Yusuf I mean and it's you know to have somebody taken out of your life like that it was very impactful it made everybody sad it made us angry uh we immediately took to the streets of Flatbush and everything else and we was just you know, wilding. you know, at that time when we yeah. was upset.
2: Yeah, I remember that time because I, I remember being, I'm 16, 17 at the time, and I remember mm-hmm. um, it, it kind of put a, a, a battery in our back, not just, yeah. you know, New York was a very different time at that point. You know, you Absolutely. had young, we had to worry about police. We had to mm-hmm. worry about going into certain neighborhoods. We had yeah. to worry about even living in some of our own neighborhoods. I grew up in Brownsville, but I had traveled mm-hmm. you know, East New York. I was in East New York a lot, Bed-Stuy a lot. But I remember that incident was sort of like a defining moment of my teenage years prior going to college. Um, right. And, and it made you grow up in, 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 in ways that you really regretted, that you didn't want uh, to grow up in that manner. But it, it yeah. kind of painted your, your
5: observations of the world. Our our parents, basically, you know, parents and grandparents always warned us about certain areas and not to go in. Um, Bensonhurst was definitely off limits. Uh, we had Sheepshead Bay. Canarsie. Um, yep. You know, so, yep, Canarsie, mm-hmm. so Flatlands, you, flatlands, you know, um, yep. at a time. So, so basically, we just stuck between Flatbush, East New York, Crown Heights, uh, Bed-Stuy. So those were our mainstay areas. But... Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> You know we didn't really know anything about Bensonhurst only through watching The, hunt, the um, Hunting Moons you know <laughs> what I mean and then you know that was our only thing about Bensonhurst but just a quick story my my grandfather worked for the New York Aquarium for years and he came home and he was very sad one day and you know he fought in the world war war you know all the wars and stuff and You know, he came home and he was talking to my grandmother in the kitchen and I'll never forget what the conversation was about. We were sitting at the table eating dinner and he said, you know, I was changing out my clothes in the locker room and he saw like they had like a party poster hanging up, you know, come out Saturday, you know, bring the kids and everybody else like that. So, you know, he said he went to the guy and he asked and he said, hey, you know, is it okay to bring my family? And he said, bring your family to where? And he said, Oh, to the thing that I seen post on the wall. He said, Oh, Jimmy, you know, this, this, this kind of thing is not for you. So he said, So what do you mean it's not for me? He was like, ah, you know, it's gonna be some people there. He was like, so he said he kind of got the message and and you know, he said that he felt away because he, you know, he he fought side by side with people and he killed for other people and he worked for other people. And at that point, he knew, so they set us all down and just started, you know, giving us the rule at that time, saying, you know, these are the areas that you're not welcome into, you know, based on that. And I kind of think that that had a psychological impact on my grandfather for years to come, and it impacted us as well.
0: Charles, um, for those who are who are gonna listen to the podcast, yes. maybe a little bit late to getting to the film, can okay. you just kind of describe what um the social landscape of east New York and Bensonhurst
5: was um and everything I mean for the uh I mean at that time like uh did you say East New York and Bensonhurst? Correct. Yeah. Um well I would look at East New York and I would say Flatbush because I was raised in Flatbush and uh, and so you know I would say all of the areas were basically the same. Um I would say hundred percent African American, Caribbean, Puerto Rican, you know. So so all the areas such as Flatbush, um, uh Crown Heights, East New York, Bed Star, those those areas was, I would like to say 98%, you know, black, Puerto Rican and so forth. Um places like Bensonhurst were were heavily Italian. Um, and i knew of no african-american people out in those areas at the time um and the areas that were uh told to us to like stay off limits um we were also told as well like you know all these areas do not do not want you in those areas
2: it's something i want to uh, add two things i want to add to that charles one is and this is for any of you guys i don't think people understand the political force that this case was. And I think one of the most incredible things that you guys did in the in the production and the direction of this film is that you really put it in the forefront to show how, what a political force this incident, this tragic death was. Um, and the reason being, um, at that point in time, I was 16. Um, I wasn't really aware of all the behind the scenes political stuff. I did know that New York was about to have its first uh, Black mayor in my lifetime um, and that, that I'm aware of. Um, I knew that there was this very powerful, hungry, ambitious uh, U.S. attorney named Giuliani who was floating around and who was, had tied himself to certain unions in the police union in New York. And then I know that a few years prior, it was the Howard Beach thing years later i would become an assistant district attorney in the brooklyn da's office and by then it had become aware to me that there was two incidents that pretty much solidified charles hines as the district attorney of brooklyn for years to come it was the howard beach incident where he was the special prosecutor and then it was the yusef hawkins incident where he was the prosecutor and that really those two incidents really tied him to the black community and particularly central brooklyn in new york with the churches and with certain political affiliations and it, and i was sitting watching a film and it made me really sad because it was like again in america black death becomes profitable for certain people and certain communities and it and it, it really when watching the film I looked, I thought about all the players. People won political offices, people became wealthy activists and important activists. Some people lost their careers as a a result of this incident. And it all involved tragedy in in our community. And that was one of the things that really struck me and how you guys put it together because all those things are there and it's kind of, the way you guys shot it, it's kind of understated. I don't know if you guys did that on purpose or not, um, uh, but that, those, those are one of the things that I, I observed. Phil is just our time master. He's throwing up the time. So I, um, if, if anyone want to comment on that
3: before before we take a break. Well, but yeah, I definitely want to hear from Mutah and from Victorious. I know that, that we got to keep, keep time, but definitely as we come back, we certainly want to get into some of the details of the film because one thing to, to Ken's point that was very unique and we love documentaries, we love history here. Because we're able to look at a piece that has spanned so much time, we're able to analyze what happened before the incident itself and after the fact. So it can inform a lot of the work that we do, as well as a lot of the young people and other individuals that are trying to do good work. It's very informative in that way. And I don't know if you set out to make a piece like that, but it absolutely is having that type of effect. So when we come back from the music break, I'd love to hear from both of you all about that.
2: I guess, do you guys have any, have any suggestions about the music that would fit the conversation and the time uh, or the film? We'll take suggestions, you know, we, we're music lovers, but we'll take some suggestions from you guys if you have it. hmm
6: yeah, For something, some Public Enemy, or some... Oh, man, that's,
2: oh, man. That's, that's, that's kind of a no-brainer. Nope. We'll, we'll be right back.
1: A ballad behind bars, or you could say, Real Rock from the Rock, an unusual musical happening in a most unusual place. The state prison have... have, have, have. I got a letter from the government The other day I opened and read it It said they were suckers they wanted me for their army or whatever. Picture me giving a damn. I said never. Here is a land that never gave a damn. About a brother like me and myself because they never did. I wasn't with it but just that very minute it occurred to me. The suckers had authority. Cold sweating as I dwell in my cell. How long has it been? They got me sitting in a state pen. I gotta get out what that thought was thought before. I kind of contemplated a plan on the cell floor. I'm not a fugitive on the run. brother, brother like me but. To be another one Public enemy serving time They drew the line, y'all To criticize me for some crime Nevertheless, they could not understand That I'm a black man And I can never be a veteran All the streets of situations unreal I got a raw deal So I'm looking for the steel hey, Yo, Chuck, are you serious? You in the justice, man? Word him up I'm looking for that steel Yo, man, we going break you out of there, man. We gonna like that, man Don't you know the time that I'm serving, telling you what happened, the same time they're stowing. Four of us packed in I cell like slaves, oh well. The same motherfucker got us living in his hell. You have to realize, what is the form of slavery organized? Under a swarm of devils, straight up, we're them up on a level. The reasons are several, most of them federal. Here's my plan anyway, and I say I got I could trust yo Some do a bit From one to ten But I never did And plus I never been I'm on a tear With no tears Shit ever fall Self-blocked and locked I never crock it y'all Cause time and time again Time that got me serving To those of them I'm not a My plan said I had to get out and break north. Just like Oliver's neck, I had to get off. My boys had the feds in check. They couldn't try nothing. We had a force to instigate a prison riot. This is what it takes for peace. So I just took the piece, Black for black, it's time to cut the leash. Freedom to get out to the ghetto. No My steel bullets flew up Into my surprise The wall and tower blew up Who shot? What? Who? What the bazooka was who? Into my rescue It was the S1W To my getaway So I just got away The joint broke from the black smoke
2: stayed before
3: before we took that break no i i I wanted i wanted to hear from the brothers in particular about the nature of this film that was able to span so much time and it doesn't feel exhaustive it doesn't feel draining it feels it moves well it's contemporary in that sense but you really get a sense of what preceded that moment the moment itself and now so many decades out it really informs this moment that we're in and not in a reactionary way like, oh look, nothing has changed. In an informative way. You know, and we'll get into some of those details, but I would love love to hear from the brothers, in particular on that aspect of the film covering so much time.
4: Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um when it came to telling this story, we knew that we were dealing with a lot of factors. And I think the title Storm Over Brooklyn is perfect because in a storm there's a lot of currents going on. And as you mentioned, the political landscape at the time was shifting. And a lot of those politicians and high level attorneys saw an opportunity uh, when, they, when they understood the, the movement behind uh, uh, the reaction to Yusuf's killing. And so in order to incorporate that in, we, we wanted to keep the family at the center of the story. Like I, I know character driven stories are really important So keeping Yusuf's family at the center was important, but also as they told their story, it was important for us to give context. And there's not, if you think about it, uh, Mayor Koch is not on screen that much and Mayor Dinkins is not on screen that much, but you get a great feel for how they intersected with the family and how they intersected with the black community. And as a family, I think that's an additional burden So when I'm thinking about what this family was going through, if you're grieving for your brother or grieving for your son, the last thing you need is a politician or somebody coming in to kind of exploit the situation, you know? And I thought, I felt that that was important to show, but it's also part of politics. Like, I don't think that Mayor Dinkins really had a choice. And I don't think that Ed Koch had a choice. Uh, What uh, Yusuf's father, Moses, who I, I, you know, I have a lot of strong feelings about, he knew, he understood, and he didn't want the family to be exploited in that way. And, you know, with only 98 minutes to tell this story, it was hard to pack everything in, but I appreciate the feedback and and that, that all those things came through because it was very important on a political level. And one of the things that um, was important, too, was the media, too. And Reverend Sharpton mentioned a little bit about how they tried to play up the possible interracial uh, love triangle and everything everyone in their self interest the media trying to sell papers the politicians trying to get votes um and and the lawyers you know shifting things over trying to get trying to get uh, votes too all of that sweeps everybody up into this 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 storm and that's why I think I, I love uh, that that we titled it Yusuf Hawkins storm yeah. over Brooklyn because it's, it's much bigger than just his murder
2: you know yeah go ahead can I was gonna say you're, you're absolutely right um, because watching it you know it's like for me was, what was very troubling for me that like you just hit it on the head it seems like the press was so invested into making it something to not to avoid the pink elephant in the room which was white supremacy and racism uh, particularly against black youth um, and being a youth at that time in New York City, you know, we had a certain liberation about us growing up at that time. It something was really uh, powerful about Yusef's uh, appearance. Yusef got, if you look at him, you see he has, I, I don't know if this is in my head, but I almost imagine my imagery of him is that flat top and that African medallion around his neck. Uh, he was 16 years old. And the youth, how we was moving around in New York City, I know some people may may take offense to this, but at that particular time, black male youth culture kind of set the tone in New York City. Like literally on the trains, on the bus, on the corners, we set the tone. It was this creativity that was coming out of all the boroughs musically. And it was it was. What was really sad is that everyone, even in the film, at one point, the detective, he tries to paint Bensonhurst as this nice place that this was an aberration and had nothing to do with race. But meanwhile, you guys are showing the footage with people holding up watermelons and (laughs) using nigger and all this other stuff. The press creating this false story that it was a love triangle of a 16-year-old kid. And everybody was just avoiding the fact that this was about race. It was about violence. We forget, if you study New York history, we act as if black kids weren't getting bused into white neighborhoods, and was receiving violence in those neighborhoods. You had incidents in Rosedale. You had incidents throughout Flatbush. You had uh, incidents in the 70s and 80s. It wasn't like Youssef was the first young man to be killed, or the first black man to be killed through racial violence in Brooklyn and, and and you know I think you guys pointed out well how it was like you know this fake New York is liberal. New York wasn't that liberal back then.
4: Right right and it's, it's the when when Victorious and Charles came to me originally it took me a while there's this book by John DeSantis called For the Color of His Skin and that's the one book that I know of that covered uh what happened to Yusuf but it was published in 91 and I read it, you know, because I was I was much younger when Yusuf was killed, and I wanted to get a larger understanding of everything. But when 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 it came down to it, what drew me to the story because I didn't want to direct a film that was just a recount of a black person being victimized. I know it's important to share those stories, but it also reinforces a my victimization and empowers the oppressors sometimes in their way of looking at things to see that and i'm like this is not a story about a victim victimization and that's why at the end i hope you you get a sense of of the family's strength and resilience but in between that what attracted me to telling the story was the importance of pointing out that what hasn't changed is the denial the racism denial and it's present in how you pointed out the detective and even in this subliminal way how he would say something when he refers to Yusuf, he'll say man. When he refers to the Italians, he'll say these young men, the young kids and all. And it's it's just so racism and denial throughout the whole thing. Even even um uh, Stephen Murphy, Keith Mandela's attorney, in the archival footage, he's like, "Oh no, this has nothing to do with race." But then, when he's talking to us now, thirty years later, he'll admit it has something to do with race. And I think that that is so omnipresent in today's society. And I hope that one of the takeaways is that that denial plays a role in allowing these murders to keep happening. But
5: he know goes what so I think far is as
3: to say that everybody was—he stu- actually says anybody who doesn't think it has to do with race is stupid. I'm like, so basically the general public that you sought to pull the wool over their eyes, you think that they're stupid. Right. But really quickly, you made a great point about the book, and I checked out the book from a previous interview that you did, and there's a quote by Moses in the book where he talks about the point that Kenny makes that he notices. The father says he's talking to his sons, and I won't remember verbatim, but the point is he tells them that people are gonna hate them for the color of their skin. And he says how Yusef didn't understand it, but Yusef's disposition was so serious, his sort of general demeanor, that that came to be something that I guess for him, followed him sort of the rest of his life. Even after that event, it was almost as if he knew, something was going to be done to him as a result of his skin, but there was nothing he can do about it. So that that seriousness that Kenny's talking about is even quoted in the book by his own father. You know what I think
0: is interesting too, is just the experience of those two groups, you know, those two, those groups of young men, the the experience of black men in New York City and the experience of an Italian uh, American young man um, in the city, I mean, was there anything you guys feel that wasn't expressed in the film about that? those two different experiences, those two narratives for those two groups?
4: Well, I, I'll say one thing. I know everyone all, everyone here except me is from Brooklyn, so everyone could probably speak on this. But one of the things I, I do want to highlight is what Christopher offered in the film, which to me was powerful, and I fought hard to keep it in there, which was when he said that, you know, in East New York, it was mostly Black people, and I think he said Dominicans. And when you saw a white person, you assumed that they were either, you know, out there buying or they were undercover police. And I was like, you know, when you think about that, that gives a random white person who you don't know a certain level of protection, you know, automatically. And the other way around was true, that if you live in Bensonhurst and you see a black person, you're going to assume that no one's looking out for them. They have no authority and they're up to no good. And that is a huge detriment, almost a deadly one. And so I know that at least the differences in those communities were, um, they complemented each other in sort of a perverse way. Whereas if you were white in East New York, you were good. And if you were black in Bensonhurst, you were not. But I know uh, Javon uh, on here on the line who, um, he's my co-producer, my producer for uh, Life's Essentials with Ruby D. And I know Javon for like 10 years now. And I know you had a lot of stories about Brooklyn and, and and the climate and stuff like that back then.
7: It was just really crazy, right? Especially after Howard Beach and in between Howard Beach and then. I mean, everybody grew up in Brooklyn, we were around the same age. So we remember Howard Beach, we remember Weiland, we remember how we all felt, especially as young men. This was our first real experience with race and how race worked in in Brooklyn and in New York. And you know, it was, it was really, that's what made Yusuf's murder just so impactful and everyone was just like tired it was a breaking point it was a straw that broke the camels back to a certain point and it was just really just kind of like defined a lot i know of who i am to this day and i know uh it just needed to be brought and everybody needed to see how how we felt and they see how the neighborhood felt and they see how it's just a really impactful story it's just Horrible time in Brooklyn. You know, it's uh there were some common
2: themes too. You don't you don't see them when you're really, really young, right? So mm-hmm. Stephen Murphy Sr. is a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. I actually, when I got to the district attorney's office, his son and me were started in the prosecutor's office together. Stephen Murphy Sr. and Charles Hines were closely associated and good friends. Um, Stephen Murphy Sr., if you re- re- remember, in the Howard Beach trial, he was one of the successful defense attorneys who got one of those kids acquitted of the less serious charges. That's why he was even um, it, for In Yusef's case, um, he was probably one of the main guys in New York City who was getting results. So it was like all these common things. But one of the things that even uh, bothered me a bit is that you have Italian Americans in Brooklyn who, despite being aggressive and we can't come in their neighborhoods, certain neighborhoods where they were at, they, when you look at their history, they were, as far as this white American experiment, they were just late to the party as being white like they weren't even considered white uh 60
3: 70 years ago before this incident even happens not even that far we've come even to the cases in the 1960s mid-1960s where there were still trials there were still ongoing trials concerning italians and issues of racism against them so to ken's point that's what it brings to mind the, the, the young guy at the time the young guy russell russell a lot of the confusion that he has, it could be easy to pin him, and I don't want to give away the film for those who haven't seen it yet. But it, throughout the, it's going to be incredible when you, when anybody <laughs> to sees it. It's remarkable. That was actually one of the most bizarre parts, of the but but, 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 it, but it was so human. You. It was so human because it gets to the core. Like you like like you mentioned Muta earlier, it wasn't on screen for long, but that moment was so salient. It was beautiful to capture the idea of whiteness, and we're working. We're actually working on the curriculum for our young people, using this film as a guide. And we're using that moment and the concept of whiteness and how you can have a group upholding whiteness, even, well, I can mention this because this is in the trailer. In the trailer, you see all these Italians and they're holding up watermelons. And I'm thinking, as a student of history, you're showing an image to degrade another community that's supposed to represent them being beneath you. But when that image was conjured up, neither of you were white. Neither of you were accepted by white. So the only problem here is that one of them can never become white. You were able to, and that's Yusuf.
2: So symbolically, that was you know, and it, it that's where Yusuf for us. When I was watching, I was like, "Wow, I'm looking at the the Ahmad Aubrey case, mm-hmm. um, and I'm looking at all these black deaths." I'm le- I, it made me think of Trayvon Martin, um, and right, I'm like, got
3: "The skittles, he's got the sneaker ball," and
2: I'm like, "Wow, this." is this is a common theme in in America in which, what does it mean to be America for me? And it made me think about, you know, what it means to be America is to really have disdain for Blackness and Black consciousness.
0: So, you know, it's it's interesting um, that, Kenny, you bring up that point, you know, because I want to actually swing it back to Javon and ask, you know, just from your experience in Brooklyn and and growing up and, you know, since the uh, the use of Hawkins' death, I mean, do you think anything has changed um, in terms of all these,
7: the climate for young black men here it's so cr- in Brooklyn? It's so crazy because as we were discussing earlier how, you know, we got a chance to see a span of 30 years, but um, it's so crazy that you can see that not a lot has changed. The color, the, the, the clothes have changed and this uh, feeling of, uh, oh, this wasn't racist, it wasn't, this outward racism is not in your face, but it hasn't changed that much. And I guess after the break, we could talk about it. It's so crazy because even in high school. Um, I used to go out to Brighton Beach to Lafayette High School and I had to go through Bensonhurst and see all these people. These people emulated black culture and it was a lot of black culture. So even getting back to seeing the young kids holding up the watermelon and things of that nature, like you were saying They were on the verge of inclusion into the white race, but all they were doing was emulating everything that we did, but they were able to take off the clothes, turn down the music or whatever it is, and then they go and, you know, but I guess we can not No, but Javon, you, make,
2: you made a, a credible point that um, Spike Lee, it made me think of the, the, uh, the scene and do the right thing with John Turturro and Spike when they're in the pizza spot. And um, John Turturro's character, he, you know, to him, Jordan, Mike, Michael Jordan wasn't really black. But, you know, absolutely. somehow in their mind, you transcended your Blackness for their benefit. Absolutely. And you're, you're absolutely right. Like growing up in that time, we were commodified, mm-hmm. we were boxed in, um, but we weren't allowed to be. And, and that was the most hurtful thing to me when I seen the pain in Yusef's mom's face. But you know what's interesting about the film, you, you guys had a, um, an image of the mom that showed as she got older, she looked to become stronger. She almost looked younger um, near the end and it was freaking me out a bit because I was in my head I was like, I wonder how old this elder is but you seen the pain like that pain on her face when she was talking about what happened to her son and she was trying to find her way amiss amongst the politicians and in the storm but then near the end of the film she looked so powerful and dignified man like that that was that made me feel better actually oh, yeah.
5: and it and it I know exactly what you're I think after we arrived to Miss Hawkins' house that day and I think when she was being filmed and she had to really go back through that whole situation. She was asked some some very tough questions that uh, didn't make the cut, but her raw emotion came out. And it was like, we had to stop filming and she had to be made up again.
7: Mm-hmm.
5: And I mean, that to me brought me back because she always called me son anyway. So, you know, to like see somebody you love go through that emotion and like kind of kind of like you know rehash that whole thing i mean we all felt the impact because when she started crying you know and we stopped so that she could start again it's almost like the room was just quiet and like you know you know everybody just had reverence for that moment anything you was thinking about, anything you was doing, it just stopped when the tears started to flow. So, I mean, I just really feel like we, we managed a lot behind the scenes, you know, emotions. Um, It was just a lot going on, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but always say that we had to, how can I put this, we had the right people at that point in time to manage those whole situations. So, you know, I just want to shout out the crew again. That everybody held it together, man, cuz man, <laughs> I don't think that, you know, I don't think that if us four did it, I don't think anybody else could have did it the way that we did it.
0: Can you guys talk about um working with Al Sharpton for this film?
4: Yeah, I, I could start it off. Um so definitely he was a central figure in the story, obviously. And uh we I think we 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 and we we did a series of interviews before we got a budget. We were on the grind for a good year and a half. And Reverend Sharpton agreed to the interview on the strength of I think trusting us.
6: Victorious, you, you you locked in Reverend Sharpton, right? He sent out a lot of emails. Yeah. <laughs> he, got back to, he wasn't sure at first, but then you know. Yeah. it was I think it was that first like forty five minutes or maybe a half an hour mm-hmm. and then we came back, yeah, yeah, we came back after we had gotten a
4: much much further along with the film but um yeah it, it it was it was interesting to speak with him because it's a delicate situation uh because I mean I'm gonna be honest, like growing up, I grew up in New Rochelle and in in different parts of Westchester. And just the, the vibe, uh, the brand of Reverend Sharpton was not what it is today. I don't know
6: else it is.
4: <laughs> But uh, so, so when it came down to how to approach the interview with him and what to ask him about, what not to ask him about, it was pretty tough. But he's so w- well, sorry, he's so like um, conditioned for the, for, the, for the media. He knows how to give you these great answers and he knows how to get straight to the point. So he was generous, uh, in my opinion being open about things you know we even asked him more details that aren't on the film about i think about what you said uh, um about him benefiting from from these certain situations and he was he was really really honest with us and one i know you just asked about refs so if there's other comments about that we could loop them in but i just want to say um the early people who just showed love off the bat, it also included uh, C. Vernon Mason.
2: Mason, yeah.
4: And uh, he gave us a fantastic interview. It just didn't make,
2: make yeah. sense. Yeah, you know, I, 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 it's funny you say that because it, that was, I grew up in Brooklyn and my perception of, of, of Al Sharpton's brand was one and the same, um, mm-hmm. even as a young person, right? Uh, something that was intriguing, that me and Victoria have spoken about this, um, I don't think a lot of people from that film, you won't capture just how powerful Alton was to the black community. Um, Alton was a uh, intellectual uh, advocate and a trial attorney powerhouse. Um, when you speak to a certain generation of trial attorneys in New York, Alton was the man that you were paying attention to. Um, and He's, like, in the background of this story. But I do remember at that time growing up, I was like, yo, who's this country art- articulate brother with them glasses? Um, but the film gives you, like, it, it, the, the film is almost like a timepiece
3: for me. But it's a timepiece that also works around the world because if we were doing our research for it, we saw this was even covered in papers in, like, Tokyo. Like, I'm not from Brooklyn. At the time, I was 11 years old coming up in Newark. North- and this was what was going on. It was as if it happened in front of my building. It was having that much of an effect, and it was everywhere. Like it was absolutely everywhere. So I know we got to go to break. So you know, it's, it's tons of good music. But when we come back, maybe we can go into a bit of the, the the broader themes that really resonate throughout different parts of the world, and obviously now even throughout time. Yeah, and I, I got a, I got a question. I, I kind of want to ask at some point. I'm just curious on what didn't make no, I'm not the I was about to I don't know if that's yeah, for Victoria, so who's, who's not? Yeah, I to see I, Javon, I, like, I, I can, can only do. imagine. So, Wait, we, we're going to oh, go to break, oh, and then we, we're oh, going to oh, see what's going oh, down. Oh. All right.
8: Well, uh, good evening, my newbies, brothers, and sisters. Uh, tonight, we got a really big show, a really big show, uh, his concerto in X minor, we have the brother Derek X. Uh, his theme tonight will be on racism in a New York backdrop. Brother Derek X. Uh,
9: yes, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you all of that. Yo, before I get this wreck, I wanna give a strong shout out to all the positive brothers and sisters that's out there. And I just wanna let y'all you know who I came down here with. I slid in here with Lord J and I'm with the A. And I came to get wrecked like this. I'm kinda blessed so I wrote this manifesto for life. Co-signed by the Office with a Knife. <laughs> Let's take a field trip from the ghetto. You picked the time man with me in the meadow to discuss racial issues and tension. New York's a body keg that I forget to mention. Me up, now me case up. in point, y'all remember that Brooklyn Bridge joint when things got wild and woolly? Yeah, that day the fence played the role of the bully. Up against the car. Y'all ain't even hey, do nothing, man. Hey, you yo, pushing mistakes. Mistakes. Now we knew we were slain and we all fucked the and used to have hawking. And they was mad when we were squawking. They tried to show false compassion. Yet at the rally, they tried to bash in our brains, further add to the blood stains. I was mad at this news, and so was my brothers, and I wanted to get violent. But I'm a lover of black mothers, and black mothers need sons, not children that's been killed by guns. It's just another form of slavery, a Monday lynching. The others get reward, the black man feels a pinch in the inside, not out to hide. Just my some sort the of answer. I'll stop racial injustice if I get chance to. <laughs> to achieve this verbal outreach in my community and all outland counties but the message of good with my now rule money step up to the right dispense and me known remember what I said is to teach your own at home first and as we disperse I sparked your head like a cloud burst. I don't stop yeah, don't quit. Derek X some guarantees to be the ultimate. Derek X I kicks the flavor so bust that I drop the stack from my almanac. It's on truth so it's got to be a show fact. So keep all this is the doing of the Capricorn kernel. Rhyme that I store daily in my journal or my diary when speaking on a black man I get fiery in the record store Categories black law Mess you ever a soul And it comes in a Three or a four pack In a month or two I'll be back to confer With you i will go for my works And my contract I get crazy perks From my lecture See me kick this rhyme And I cover the whole spectrum. This is the final first Grand finale In crescendo Misconceptions of the X can I be thrown Out the window Unseen Lean two years Past a team Never used makeup Got an act of shame It's like that Y'alls have a ball I'm Derek X About six feet tall Yeah and as I stop This wreck for one sec I want to give a shout To the grand poof Also the Get money, my
3: You had a real good yeah, question. I, 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 I wanna, yeah, I, I kinda wanna know
2: what was the framework in which you filtered what got in and what didn't get in.
5: Okay. Well I I
4: broke down I broke down the book. I broke down the book just to the to the nth degree and put everything in chronological order. And I also sifted it into I think four roles. Uh one was the political level with Koch, Dinkins even before before the 80s another one was the activist level with uh reverend sharpton's career and you know tried to consider you know the scope was larger tried to consider willie turks michael stewart um uh eleanor bumpers michael uh griffith and um all, all of those in, in and you the said
2: 80s. turks turks was the man who got beat to death in Gravesend, right yeah,
4: yeah. he was running, running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and then and then also laid out the the family's um arc their story arc and and segregation in new york you know one of the things that's subtly there i think is uh, uh the de facto segregation of new york city the liberal new york city <laughs> yes and there's this there's this beautiful map of their ma- mapping segregation it's called from the new york times an article in 2015 and that i actually brought into the room when pitched into hbo to show them that this is can this is 2015, what you're looking at. And in eighty in eighty-nine, it wasn't even much different. The segregation is pretty much the same. And from what I hear in the education system in New York, it's even
2: It's more. even worse. It's even worse today.
4: Actually. Yeah, yeah. So like with 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 all of those things in mind, you know, wrote an outline, but it was 30 something pages long.
6: Mm-hmm. And I'm like,
4: okay, we're not playing around with a $10 million budget here. We have to make it more concise. So after we interviewed the family and 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 Christopher and and Luther, it became clear that what they had to say was most important. Mm-hmm. So I just strung out what they say and worked really closely with Jeremy Seifer, the editor of the film, and 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 they what they had to say dictated what else could fit in the mm-hmm. film. If they said something that allowed us to pop out and cut us in that, then then we did, and um. And and I I'll say one thing about Luther. Luther was the first interview that we did when we actually had a budget, you know. And um, oh, who is the brother, the cinematographer Javon? You remember?
7: His name is Kerwin Devana. She works with uh, Spike a lot. And he's done. Yeah, a lot he,
4: of- he he did a great job shooting that interview for us. And Luther, I, I know I'm going off to a tangent. One of the things that Charles has said about Ms. Hawkins is so important that these feelings that that these are feelings are real. We are 30 years later talking to people who were right there. Luther was right there when Yusuf was killed, like right in front of him. And he told us he hadn't talked about it in 30 years. That's one of the things that hasn't made the cut. He said he hadn't talked to his kids about it. He hadn't talked to no one about it in 30 years. He bottled it all up inside. And so me, I'm a I'm a filmmaker, but I'm also a human being, and I'm we're sitting here in front of cameras, and I know Alpha now. I'm gonna ask him to walk. Well, I think Javon had to do walk down into Bensonhurst to to the scene of the crime, and he didn't even know, you know, like this is like I'm like, oh my God, we had to be very delicate, because it took a lot of courage for him to even come back to New York to to do this thing. So I talked with Luther for two three hours, and what's not in the film is that the pain. I, I guess it is for Luther. It is for Luther. But you the people, and after the interview's yeah. over, it's hard to just say, all right, because he shared, he shared his whole soul with us, you know? And that's one of the things I hope um, people appreciate about it because the family didn't have to do it. They didn't have to trust us. They didn't have to share all of their that their, their hurt, you know, and they did, and I, I appreciate that.
6: You know,
0: one of the things that I'm pretty cool about just the shooting of was um you know those overhead shots that you guys um you guys had in there looking down on the street and you know they they definitely stuck out to me because some of those shots could have been in Bensonhurst some of those shots could have been in East New York I mean the neighborhoods from the way that you guys showed it, and even from the media footage those neighborhoods looked
2: identical but, but I they were think... it but, but see that's the thing though and some mm-hmm. M- muta said it uh you you really folk you just brought it out muta. De facto segregation is strong in New York.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: It affects housing. It affects neighborhoods. And what was in the back of my mind is -hmm. two things. First of all, uh, there's a book called "How East New York Became a Ghetto." It's Mm -hmm. by I believe Walter Thabet. I'm not sure, but it goes through the local, state, and federal policies that created East New York. Um, The toxic financial instruments that created all those abandoned buildings that we end up playing in as kids. And then what rises out of all that? Some beautiful 16-year-old kid, just a beautiful looking kid with the African medallion with his crew. Like they they 16 going to buy a car. Like that's a certain level of maturity. And it wasn't from hustling. Um, It it was just a, a kid. And then you had this protected the same racism that created East New York, that which alienated us, uh, defunded our schools, created uh, un- undeserved housing, lack of jobs, divestment from the community. Is this same mindset that created Bensonhurst and Bensonhurst mom and pop bakery, butcher shop, uh, hardcore pull up by the blue strap uh, American cliché nonsense and. The, the kid who comes out of the, 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 the community that was set upon gets set upon by the kids from the communities that was protected by the same racism. Um, and that de facto segregation was very real, but also, you know, today, right? Um, you see all these Black deaths. They almost, we almost become desensitized to them as far as our humanity goes, right? You're watching these Black deaths. We're now watching Youssef's, you know, uh, like, like, imagine years later now. Now we're watching it on television. Like, we're getting to watch it, how it happened. And people get on this camera and they cry and they, they, they forgive Dylan Roof. And, you know, we, it's almost like we're meek and, and we, we, we're just not built for this adversity.
6: Not this film, though, right? So, so no. I can't, I can't no. say what happens in the film, but uh, I
2: can't say what happened in this film.
6: It's, it's a different kind of uh, yeah. talk from the family uh, in this film, and that and, spoke
2: to me, Victorious. Mm-hmm. Like they, those young people, they wasn't having it. We wasn't having it at that age. Like I remember what it was like, and I'm not gonna say certain things, but I remember what it was like when I was sixteen, seventeen, getting on the A train. Like I wasn't afraid of white people. Um, these incidents confirmed that I should never be afraid of
3: white people. Um, and then- it, and you know, it, it informed a generation. Like, I know Victorious wants, wants to speak to it, so definitely like like, like, dive in from the perspective of what you all were able to capture in that story. You know, what were some of those big distinctions that you feel like that, you know, are noticeable?
6: Well, that, yeah, that that's a big thing, one, is that um, how the family and how the community dealt with it is something that we we've never really seen again. I think, in this type of uh, murder. Um, what sets it different is like what uh, Kenny also said is that this this wasn't a vilified young man. Uh, this wasn't someone that, that was had a toy, a toy water gun. He didn't have a candy bar that looked like a gun. You know, that's what they would tell us back in the day when it happened. You know, he wasn't jaywalking, just doing something that was a rite of passage, you know. And you spoke earlier about that picture you see. And we all have that picture of Yusef because there are only several pictures of said He was a boy, like they didn't get a chance to take a lot of pictures of him, right? And I think the soul of this film is based upon us being very sensitive to the the why now questions, right? When we were doing it, there's a lot of talk about, about uh, trauma porn and things like that. And so we wanted to make sure that, wow, 30 years ago, the family didn't need you know, a photographer in their face from the Daily News, they didn't need us either. Like, they, they didn't need us to knock on their door 30 years later and rip up all these, all these wounds. So we had to make it worth it. We had to make it make sense. We had to be true to the, to the community. We had to be true to the family uh, and ourselves. We had a lot of talks, a lot of long nights about what we want to be remembered for as far as telling this story out of all these stories. Um, Bensonhurst, East New York. The land, the land is not evil. The land is not unholy. It's just what, how they treat the children, right? In, in all those communities. Um, but the bricks are the same, right? And earlier we spoke about how some of the Italians emulated black youth, besides hip hop, they were just doing what other poor folk do. I don't got no money, I'm gonna wear a gold chain, I'm gonna wear that tracksuit. You know, we're kind of the same, except for how the law deals with us, you know, is, is the, the big difference. But we were, I wanna know, we were definitely in Bensonhurst, the midnight hours, we were there broad daylight, you know, it was not filmed on set. We were deep in Bentonhurst. Not everyone was happy to see us. People are not gonna be happy to see this film. But so this is yep. something that um step, shed blood there, right? And and we we definitely we definitely return to that hollow ground, right? And we wanted to show that that we're back, we didn't forget about it. And uh, we do come in peace. But well, you know, what? One of the, things, too. the too. one thing that definitely stuck out to me is
0: that the, the narratives from the Kiss and Hers community wasn't, they weren't as robust. You know what I'm saying? And, and, I, and I think that, and that's not a criticism. That was just, that's just an acknowledgement. It's just like, you know, you know, why weren't you all able to kind of collect more of those narratives?
5: Well, if I could speak to something real, real quick, two things. One thing that I felt, that didn't make the cut was when um, Victorious caught up with um, Chuck D out in Brooklyn, I believe. And he asked him about Yusuf, And Chuck D said, Yusuf. He said, man, that was the first Black Lives Matter. And that didn't make the cut, but it was powerful just to hear him say that.
6: So just to speak, so, so yeah, we had a lot of conversations on the side with a lot of, a lot of people that there was just no time by time we uh, were editing the film but as far as there not being a lot of people from Bentehurst in the film, uh, I was going to say as a producer, I think all the best parts were in the film. I think you're gonna get all the emotion and get all the emotion. So When you're watching it, know that nothing else is the best cut that we could possibly have made. That's one, right? Um, but, there, but remember, right? So there were a lot of people that were accused of killing Yousef Hawkins, where there aren't a lot of people in prison. So, Bensonhurst, like East New York, is a hood, right? We're talking about, uh, we're not solving a crime, right? But there still is mystery as to who was really there. You know, why did it really happen? And um, because of different sensitivities and in, in that respect, not everybody was jumping out to talk about, you know, a murder that happened in their neighborhood. Yeah,
2: And I don't want to give up uh, certain things either because No, look, I'm a criminal, I'm a, I'm a criminal defense attorney. Um, you know, you, you had the Joey Farmer footage that's in there, you had the mention of certain, um, organized crime figures that is in there. I I don't think people understand how important this film was and how you guys had to navigate. Was there a lot of late strategy sessions and how to navigate all these different things that you had to get through?
6: Yes.
7: If, yes. I can
2: say, if I can say <laughs> yes. this one part
7: right here, I think yes. for myself and in journalism, um, I would like to hear all sides of the story. I wanted to hear our side, which we knew because we grew up and we lived it. Charles, obviously, he was a friend of Yusuf's and things uh, went on like that. But I wanted to hear the other side of the story. I wanted to know, was there something that I wasn't seeing? Was there something that someone could offer us from that side of the neighborhood that, you know, enlightened me? But the code of silence is yes. real, it's very, yes, very real. And yes. As, as we all know what we're talking about. We know that yes. we can get too deep into it, but the code right. of silence is extremely real. And people who I think maybe wanted to express their feelings just knew that they couldn't They couldn't express their feelings. We reached out to everyone. We wanted to yes. make it 100% clear. Yes. We reached out to everyone. We tried to get both sides of the story. But yes, we did. As, as open as our side was, and the one black person that was there, uh, part of that mob, we didn't get anyone else, and nobody else would speak, and we know why, but yeah, you. You guys were, you, Yo, y'all, y'all really saying, get that so, thing on, cause you can see it, like, we, it's so stated.
6: You know? yeah. We definitely do though, right? So we weren't, to be clear for those in, in Radio Land, while we weren't able to sit down with people from Hearst, we have a whole lot of archives from when they were talking you know back in the day to to the police and such like that so we definitely do have um that side of the story but unfortunately you might not be able to hear about what they learned over the past 30 years but it it definitely was a a very um unbiased story and but i mean the truth is the truth it came out how it came out but
0: um and and just to kind of answer that and like i said for me, that rang true. The fact that those those, those the um, Bensonhurst narratives weren't as robust, that still rang as truth to me. And I think that was an interesting window into that culture. Um, and I found it to be, you know, very. I, I just thought it was a dope device. You know, the way yeah. you
3: guys employed that. This we had, to a we, lot of classes. Like, there's so much information. Like, you're right. We we had the luxury of seeing the film, but for everybody else. When you see it, you will not feel like you've missed anything. You, yeah. in fact, will right. feel like you need to watch it again yeah. and again. It is extremely informative. Like, it's, it's, it's
4: remarkable. Mm-hmm.
5: This, um, this, this film is going to have people still asking, asking even more questions, um, even 30 years after the fact. Um, speaking of the code of silence, uh, we had one out there when we had to film a subject and, um, people closing down their shops. Uh we saw a lot of cars pulling up. They was curious looking, you know. It was a lot of, you know, uh some of the old guard, you know, as we speak. They were checking out everything we was doing. Um, and I think one of the first times me and Victoria's actually went out there to get some B-roll, coming out of the train station, you could just feel the airiness. They haven't changed that train station at all. And I that, cha- that that train station was the same. Walking down those blocks, it was just you know, for me, it was emotional because this is where my friend lost his life. And I mean, you know, I had to deal with that internally a lot, you know, and I still deal with it now because just just being in that area, I just was overcome with so much, but I had to keep it inside because we're there for business. and you know that's that's all I can say on that.
3: Oh, man. i got I got a question for each one of you and you know you can answer in any order you you feel there was an interview that that we watched with muta and he was talking about some of the challenges around feeling like you're doing something meaningful in this time from our perspective as observers we can certainly see the power that a piece like this is going to have but what is it that you all sort of hope will come from this as a tool for change and not some sort of oversimplified, like, you know, we, we do the work that we do, so we get it. Like some real substantial change from a personal level and a communal level. What are some of the things you want to occur at the individual level after people watch this piece?
4: I mean, I, 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 what comes to mind first is I hope people get a better understanding of the ripple effect uh, that the families of these people who are murdered, but um, that, that they experience that it, they're over 30 years, these, they're still in pain. They've been, if you look at it a certain way, they've been used. Um, if you look at it another way, you know, their their son's name uh, has been a tool, you know, a tool for, for justice in, in a good way, you know, but also um, nobody still knows who Yusuf is, you know? And I think that as we, um, Go forward and call up people's names and and show love and respect and 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 I think it's important that we do that. I think that on, on on just as we do that, we should just really hold in our hearts the fact that a lot of the relatives and the people who raised these people who are murdered are alive and in pain and they still need our help. After they helped us by lending the name of their child to to the movement, they need our help and they need to not be forgotten. You know. But I think I hope that people get a better understanding of that. That just because it's 30 years ago doesn't mean that the, the pain isn't resonating. And that, and that means that we as a community need to really keep pouring our love back into the Hawkins family. You know,
6: one of the things that, that I think about with the film is that I hope it teaches a new generation what it looks like when our community comes together uh, physically. And where they should be marching to, you know physically uh this is very important again something that right. I haven't seen I was twelve when it happened, so I didn't see it until until the film you know so that's something that that i I hope that uh we can take that and we can change that because uh, unfortunately it's gonna happen again in, in some way, even if it's not a murder, it's gonna happen again you know in some way and and uh, I would hope that this film can show people what 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 once was, and I also hope that unfortunately going to be a whole lot of more uh black mamas and daddies crying in this position you know until, until we're free you know so uh hopefully they can draw some strength hopefully they, they can get some some awesome tips from diane and moses on on what is possible you know from a place of strength and and not what they feel is the uh the right answer or or a good position to be when you're in front of the cameras and uh so those are the things that, that i hope that we can um help push them moving forward. Yeah. Well, some of the
5: things that I hope that people learn is the first thing is that, um, I hope that they learn about Yusuf. Um, I hope that they learn that it's a better way to do things in life and that learn courage, strength, and just, you know, proper processes on how to go about doing things and, and also think about your actions, how it's going to impact people when it's going to have ripple waves on both sides. That's, that's what I hope that people um, come away with Um, also to learning that, that real New York City history, <laughs> not that covered up stuff that, you know, they show you on TV. Yep. Um, we had to take you back to how it was, you know what I'm well, saying? The Gritty, gritty New York City, you know what I'm saying? And like, and I like kind of like bring you up to date, but not much has really changed. You know what I mean? Um, it's still basically the same. So I'm just hoping that this team, uh, that this film teaches, you know, history, strength, courage, and how to manage conflict better.
7: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, I, I really, something that I dealt with throughout my life and I, I've seen throughout the film and I had to keep reminding myself as I watch this film, even though I produce this film, when I watch it, I, I get goosebumps still just kind of like looking at the trailer and looking at it. But one of the main things that I've noticed is, Yusuf was 16 years old. Yusuf was a child, right? And then he was forced into being a man that like I am. I'm six foot five man. I've been six foot five almost all my life. I know that I'm looked on as a man when other people of other races or people look at me. They don't look, they never looked at a child. I've been a man all my life. And then even children to this day, as we're going through protests to this day in 2020, Kids don't get to be kids. Kids have to go up, grow up seeing, oh, this could be me. This is what I have to fight for. This is what I have to stand out and protest for. When do we have a chance to be a child, to go ahead and have our child life nature, go ahead and work with our creativity, go ahead and work with just our love, with our relationships between men and women, with our relationships with our family, relationships with our friends. We don't get these chances like other. You know, others get to go ahead and have, so I need everybody to realize that Yusuf was a human, and I'm glad that Mutali pressed so hard on so many points. One of the things he pressed on is this is a family story, and it shows that this wasn't some kid that was out in the street running around. This was a son. This was a co- this was a cousin. This this was a child who wasn't doing anything wrong. He played basketball. He hung out. He ate Chinese food like we used to do right in the street. He was going to look for a car, and. For him to lose his life and for his family to have to go what they went through, for his neighborhood to have to go what they had to go through, for his contemporaries, people. I was 14 when he was 16. And for me to have to grow up thinking about that every time I stepped out, it really takes something away from you. And I want people to kind of see this film and understand that millions of kids go through the same thing even though they may not have been murdered in the street, they have to live through that and they have to live with that. And it turns us into what people look at us as derogatory, but we have to be strong and we have to be thrown as youths. And it, it, it's really disturbing. It really is disturbing. And I need people to watch this, especially people of other hues, to kind of like look and understand, we are children and we are humans and they should treat us as such.
3: But I want to thank you for that human story because in particular, there's, there's, there's a moment throughout the film where, as I was watching it, one thing, it sort of clicked for me. And I'm like, man, look at this strong sister, despite the issues that she's having with this man, letting him have this public position as dad. Because the nature of his public persona really didn't imply anything about theirs. You You could infer if you wanted to, but it didn't have to. But she allowed that even at moments where it was clearly difficult for her in a range of respects that people will gather as they watch the film. That, that was so powerful and important to me because any of us, even when I was a little kid, I was a little news junkie, I can remember seeing that family. And a lot of the issues that, you know, might play out as you watch the film, you can see that the idea of family was at the forefront. It's beautiful that you all kept that central to the overall narrative. And and you know, for me, is
2: you what you guys so much that you guys just said really resonates with me. Like it's really I didn't know you said, but I'm sure at the time Brooklyn was small. I'm sure there's probably some sixth degree of separation amongst all of us at that time. i I was um, I was a year older. Than, I was born in 72. I think you said born in 73. But it's something you said, Javon about our humanity. I remember at 15, I went to Martin Luther King High School in Manhattan, and I remember at 15, I got uh, yanked off the train by some undercover officers, all white. They all had their badges and their thing, you know, covering their badges when I asked for their badge number. And they, you know, I'm like, yo, I want your badge number. They had ripped my shirt. I had my orange polo shirt with the crest on it, you know, uh, Brooklyn Brooklyn style back then. And, and, um I said, Joe, I want my badge, I want your badge number, it's my right. And I'll never forget, one of the officers says to me, this was at Columbus Circle, 59th Street. He says, yeah, just like it's your right to carry guns and sell drugs. And I I don't think people appreciate how long this American narrative has been to make us the threat and the bad guys. When you study history and how America was formed, how these urban cities were formed. We should be celebrated for our restraint when you really think about it. Absolutely. Actually, you know, like we have always, we haven't been the purveyors of violence. We've been on the receiving end of violence systemically. Um, And it was weird because these people in Bensonhurst had a battery in their back where they felt they can control those Black bodies just like they were police
3: you was wildest at that time it's like you you are officer the, this is the freaking 80s radio is in office you all are the actual drug dealers so this, yeah like what do you like, like
7: he, he like, didn't realize he was speaking with a, a future assistant district attorney yeah, what's right. going on you know what's
2: going on <laughs> it blows and, your mind and, and and when i really think about it man like it, it really made me really sad um it's a book called Without Sanctuary. It's a photo illustration book of lynchings throughout American history. And Yusef was lynched by, it was a mob. It was a lynch mob. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nothing short of. And even as a, a prosecutor, his legacy, he built politicians. He created a lane for people. And I know Paul Burns. I don't know if you guys got a chance to speak to Paul Burns. Paul Burns was one of the prosecutors, trial attorneys on the case. He still had the bat uh, in his office. Um, and I would always go in his office and we would have to conference cases, but I would look at that bat and it would leave me with a very eerie feeling. Of uh, I might as well have been looking at shackles uh, or, or or something of that nature. but also, was clear to me. I just want to thank you for. I want to first say thank you on behalf of myself and my brothers in the combine, because what I also see in that film is I see. I don't know the details of how you guys put this together. I did meet as it was going on with victorious and I, and I, a few times, but you can tell the intelligence and the respect that you had for the the Hawkins family, and what happened to him through the film. And that's apparent. He, you guys' humanity actually shines in this film. And, and, and in, and in uh, response, it really shows how Youssef is, um, he was this. he has so much promise. Yeah. And it was taken away for
3: absolutely no reason other than hatred. And a lot of what was served up from that very personal perspective, that deep place that a lot of individuals have been keeping this stuff locked in, it was clear that somehow you all managed to connect with them that human report that ken is talking about really showed up in a lot of areas throughout the film
0: especially in the ways in which you know you guys were able to showcase how they hadn't been shown that same respect for humanity um you know during uh the time when when uh his you know his murder had happened mm-hmm. and i don't want to give
2: too much of the film though but yo it was you know you know, there's a strength in Blackness and yes. Black people. Um, you know, we, we get today, you see the talking heads and you see people get on camera and they might as well be reading from a
3: teleprompter. We are complex human beings. It's going to be a lot of social media commentary. Once cats watch this, it's going to be, there's, there's so many moments that, that are very telling. And again, even though it's, a tra- it's such a tragic story, through this tragedy, you all have managed to tell a powerful a powerful narrative so you find yourself finding yourself in others so I can see a lot of individuals making those connections and that'll be a lot of the chatter but hopefully hopefully it'll also do a great deal again to serve those of us like ourselves and anybody during this time who's looking to really do something transformative a piece like this is the absolute tool that they've been looking for to help them analyze what could be on the other side of this like, like what could be on the other side of this they now have a full story to look at we're, and again, we're break- and, and we're gonna, as a for us personally, like literally, it's an educational
2: piece and it's a time piece. Like the the, the children in our community, they're gonna have to watch this film. They're oh, gonna, ha- this is gonna be one of those films that they have to know about. It's a prequel.
5: Hey, Kenneth, mm-hmm. uh, there's 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 something um that you spoke of um, I want to go back a little bit, but you spoke about uh, narrative, mm-hmm. um and I want to tell you uh, about a story that um Christopher told us. He said that. On the night that, you know, everything happened, they were taken in to the police station and they were being led up the stairs. And one of the cops told them, uh, he made a statement similar saying, um, if you don't do the crime, you won't do the time. And the cop said, wait a minute, these guys are the victims. And he said, oh, so just with them walking in, they already had that, you know, had that mark on them you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying well, without him even being there he automatically labeled them as the offenders mm-hmm. so so i mean you know every night tv news you, you know we always have to fight this narrative but like people are so jaded to where oh they hear a gun they hear this then automatically the person mm-hmm. is guilty you know what i mean mm-hmm. w- without even knowing facts so you know it's, we, it's almost
2: uh, as if uh the presumption of innocence which is the foundation of the rule of law isn't afforded us even in death
3: that's right um, because the laws are not for us you know, laws are made by those in power to protect themselves so we are not a part of them this is not our house in that sense we are in their house and so you always a guest, no matter how well they treating you no matter how long they treating you nice you gotta know for certain i am not at home. i mean it's written into the laws that we are not a
0: part uh, or even considered, you know, as citizens in this country, not totally So, you know, with, you know, even even if it goes on the books that we are citizens,
3: you know, you still got a lot of motherfuckers with that history in they in their brains. So, yeah, and that's why cats are always looking to go back to a even if it was a time that never was. They always want to harken back to something. And That's again not not to unpack the film too much, but that point is at least in the public domain. That's sort of what <laughs> started with the Italians wanting to go back to a time that never was, i.e. a time when it was only us, you know, whoever and, and that's
2: And that's what I mean by we've always fought, we've always resisted, mm-hmm. and America has always poked us. Mm-hmm. Somehow, I, I think this film can help us figure out how not to get poked, but in the event that we do, how to come up with a practical solution where they're not gonna poke anybody anytime much soon after that. yeah. And I don't remember who made the
3: point. It it, it may have been Mutant. I know he's getting ready to jump in. But somebody made a point that I know for us is going to be very useful in terms of using this film to help heal, help those who are still left here for us. Because we can now see what happened after all this time to individuals who couldn't unpack a lot of that. Individuals that didn't get the support. All these people coming around, hooting and hollering, politicians, rappers, all that. But when it's all said and, and done, done, these are human beings who still need
2: this community. And parents and parents, and siblings and loved ones are never the same when something like this happens.
3: It changes mm-hmm. you forever. You mm-hmm. about to say something, Muhtap?
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was gonna kind of echo what Victoria said earlier. Um, one of the things that always goes through my mind, and I was speaking at this um, rally in Nourish, maybe a month ago, and I was trying to tell the people two things, proximity and persistence. And so I know that's what Reverend Sharpton mentioned in the film about them marching straight through Bensonhurst and bothering the right people and bothering them for a long time is what I take away from the activism in this film is, is, is if, you know, yeah, we could we could march down, you know, fifth Avenue, but if you do the marches down in, in uh, the Hamptons or something like that, you're going to bother the community that is the tax base that these mayors kind of, yep bow down to. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's a smart thing to do. But, you know, then you get situations like you have in St. Louis with them crazy people with their guns mm-hmm. out and all that stuff. But, but that's that Dr.
3: King quote. You got to make the comfortable, uncomfortable, <laughs> and the uncomfortable. Comfortable. That's that quote. But I don't want to, I won't give it away. I'm going to try to articulate it in a manner that, that doesn't become disruptive. However, there is, there is a moment where someone makes a point about Al Sharpton they make a point about him sort of not being you know they, they, they speak to him in a discrediting manner and however somebody may feel about him i'm very careful to speak too negatively about people who have put in probably more work than i ever will positive or negative this is a complicated mess that we're dealing with but when we start talking about the end result sometimes you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get uncomfortable. You're gonna have to do some things, yeah. you might have to people will make all kind of compromises everywhere else, but when it comes to our individuals, the condemnation will be so extraordinary, even in cases like that. So again, with, with these characters who may have built their careers, it's complicated. Right. But why is there so much condemnation? And again, I, I don't wanna get into but even this, those, course.
2: even those listen, here's the thing though. What was clear to me about that film? It's a bunch of nameless people who we will never know their stories, who contributed to some change. Absolutely. It was, when you seen those people walking down the street, and in a foreign and foreign hostile, violent environment, and you seen from teenagers to elders, they wasn't scared. And and those people who led or who put themselves in the forefront they were able to be
3: in the forefront because all those people behind them were not afraid. Precisely, precisely. And that was the point that Victorious was making about the community. Like, you really saw the daggone community out there, and that can and should inform communities today about how to be consistent, about how to be present, not how to poke your chest out and be all intense. Like, that has its time, that has its place, but you need that consistency, baby. You need that if you are gonna be a fan. Yo, I, I hate
2: calling this a great film. I got to say, Thank you for this important piece
3: of work. Absolutely. And
2: I, and um, uh, Charles, I really um, my I'm a human being. Um, my heart goes out to you, um uh, for losing a friend and 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 a brother. And 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 uh, please let the the Hawkins family know that if there's anything that we can facilitate, um, you know we we're, we're here. Like th- this, we don't take this lightly. This ain't just for words. You know th- this. I realize I, I deal with the in the business of trauma. Um, I see how trauma affects us individually as a family. I see how this society deals with our trauma, and um, I just want to say thank you, guys, for doing uh, an incredible piece of work. I'm looking forward to you guys doing more work, um, and and um, uh, just really uh,
3: salute you guys. For sure. Sure. Where can thank people you. find out and follow the film? Yeah. Where? And like, and yeah. Right. Close out. Yeah
4: at, at storm over brooklyn everywhere is at storm over brooklyn Instagram.
2: And it's It's uh, on hbo uh available HBO, hbo
4: august 12th wednesday august 12th at 9 p.m it's hbo max august
6: now i want to say in case there are any new listeners uh to this podcast these fellas are really tough and very critical so i really appreciate the the thumbs up the, the yeah. two fists up because. Yeah, this is... they're not easy they're not easy nah this this was
2: this was a we were honored bro and um you know i i, I would love for you guys any project that you guys are doing uh we, we would love to support um i know the work that you guys are doing is meaningful and um is it, 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 it makes me feel good because there's so much noise and distractions out there for us and for me honestly someone who was informed by yousef's death, and others deaf and, and growing up. When I look around today, you know, cause you know, you feel like, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn, I'm, you know, I'm 40. I just turned 48 last week, but I feel like, yo, know, I know what's up. And I look around and I'm like, this is what people are talking about. Like, this is what is the thing to get people's attention. And, and what you guys did, you got my attention. And um, I really
3: appreciate it. Yeah, you're gonna get a lot of others too.
4: No, I appreciate your feedback, too, because there's a lot that you're echoing back to us that you picked up on in the film. And since you're like one of the first people to see it, it it really is is our first time to know how it resonates. And Mm -hmm. I mean, to come from brothers like yourselves, it really feels good to hear that that. You know, kind of what, what we what we put in there, you, you picking up on. And there was a lot of things that I I, I tried to sneak in there subtly and and I think nah, you did a good job, brother. You
2: know,
4: and I'ma tell you,
2: um, you know what's interesting too, what's going on in the air now at this moment in history, right? A lot of people saying this is different, this is a special moment. I, I don't see this special nature of what's going on now. I do see common threads of, of the past. And you have a lot of white Americans who are trying to figure out what they should do. Um, Sometimes, you know what, you gotta be a human. Get into your humanity. Um, Sort of like what Stokely said, Uh, figure out yourself um, if you really wanna. It's not so much, you know, we don't need you to come and do this in our neighborhood, this in our neighborhood. We need you to um, allow us to be. And sometimes, you know, it's not you necessarily understanding what happened. You know, but, you know, acknowledge that our being is just as important as your being. And this film, I think, is gonna speak to a lot of people and it's gonna inspire a lot of people, but it's, it, it also speaks of strength. It's it's a strong film.
3: For sure, for sure, nah. So, anybody wanna give any any closing, closing marks? I know we're gonna go out to music. Any, any, any recommendations? Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, any recommendations? We got P.E., we, we got, you know, yeah, we, might mean, it's some, it's X, so we might films. throw
2: some X-Clan in there. Um, you
6: know, uh, I, 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 I don't know. Victorious, I know what's up. Yo, good know, joint. Um, was it Cool G Rap? Oh, uh, and, um, Biz Markie, race, oh. race racism. That was good
0: race,
2: oh. racism. Yo,
6: That's good so joint. Yo,
2: salute Biz too. So he's, he's in Luke a hospital Biz. right now. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 yeah.
7: Much yeah. well wishes to Biz, man. We want to see oh, him. do All it.
2: right, yeah. Race racism. Not that that video. Oh, that video was hard too. Yeah.
7: Yeah. Of course, the yeah, sound that no, always no, comes no, up is no, Chub Rock treats you right. That's definitely oh, <laughs> good, good. Chub Rock. Rock was one
2: of
3: the first people to mention you, Seth, in his rhymes. Absolutely, yeah. you yeah. know what we gotta do? We let's 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 definitely agree to it now. We gotta come back, so we gotta make some time to come back after the film has been released and it's been a, a while for people to kind of digest it, give some public commentary. We gotta come back, we, we gotta speak again or, you know, some of the followings from, from the community. Yeah, I would love that. And and, and you know, we we'll
7: would be able to talk
10: uh, open, A little bit yeah. open, yeah, yeah, you know, we can open. <laughs> yeah. Open, what does that mean? I think it'd be great, yeah. So, that's what's
2: up. Yo, fellas, yo, salute and respect, man. Yo, salute guys. you guys, thank you very much thank for your work, man. Up,
4: man. Word yeah. up. All right, guys. All right, thank
8: so. you, brother. Peace. All right. Yo, V, bring the beat in. Yeah, that's ah. all right. Oh man. Yo G. Yo Cool G. Yo, I'm doing this record. We got you know, Big Daddy Kane over there. We you know, all gonna do just one part because you know, we came a long way. You know, from back in the Martin Luther King days, Malcolm X. Just ain't hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Now, now that we see Mel- N- Nelson Mandela is free, we're gonna talk about this. we gonna talk about this racism. Stop that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we're gonna you know stop it. that. So G, why don't you just do your rhyming part And then I'll come on after you Alright, check it out Go ahead
11: Yo, I'm trying hard to explore I'm not sure what all the racial war for It's making me more sore I walk through a colorblind corridor Seeking for peace in the people I'm meeting Black, white, and Puerto Rican men are greeting each other Just like brothers, there's plenty and many of others You can't discover kids, fathers, and mothers A melting pot, no one felt the God Prejudice, listen, I can never assist someone Distance, this, this, a landscape with a dark and a light Handshake, having fun without one being a fake snake so let's form a rainbow over the mountain And it's drained from the same water fountain Let's make our Earth Day a story Of people that walk through the same territories Color or creed is no need for a man to bleed I believe we all breed the same seed Unless it's diluted with something that intruded Then I see your family tree was uprooted So don't be foolish if you're Jewish or Hindu The racial menu is the evil that men do I was raised in a nation of Asian Hate shouldn't separate Jamaican from Haitian So if you're Kevin in your ears I hope you hear me in Siberians, no better than Nigerian I bring a rattle to a battle that you see me in I'm no villain so why would I be killing Indians My nationality's reality And yo a prejudice man is of a devil mentality These are words of a wise man Wisdom Take a taste and erase
6: the racism
8: black, the page is white, together we learn how to read it write, people are black, got people that's white, let's stop racism and let's unite, yo yo Kane, why don't
10: you do your part, and then let me do mine and we get out of here, go ahead, go ahead. In the days of slavery, some got to run away and many got done away Inferiority is what some men say, but that shit played out with Kuta Kente Then again in the streets of New York, I think of Yusef Hawkins and I see it still stalking And when I think of areas like Benson Hearst huh, notice how I mention Hurst We got to better this world of prejudice, people make peace and learn to live equal Cause I don't look at myself as a coon or a Mooli that would have to say Massa You better believe that I'm an Asiatic descendant And I know what's been amended and intended So let's fulfill and get real And try to build a united nation Eliminate segregation I know there's different strokes for different folks But I've also acknowledged what hatred provokes So don't hate me or try to underrate me, cause I collect ends, drive a bins, and live greatly. And we can all live together in harmony, without thinking what color is harming me. If I'm a slave, I'm a slave to the rhythm, to E-R-A-S-E, the racism. The
8: ink is black, the page is white, together we Racism and let you know To the black and white, the red and the yellow To all the nationalities, I like to say hello And I hope they stop racism and it's coming from our hearts Me, g Rap, Polo, Big Daddy Kane, Cool V And of course the Diabolical and Bismarcky I hope you stop racism Peace